Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Is it a world record or isn't it? So this lady spent 500 days in a cave. 500 days. And uh, they believe, her and her, her and her team believe, that she broke the world record for the longest time spent in a cave. Now, the Guinness World Records has not confirmed whether there is a record for voluntary time living in a cave. They gave the longest time survived trapped underground to the 33 uh, Chilean and Bolivian miners who spent 69 days and 688 meters underground after the collapse of a copper gold mine in Chile in 2010. I say this is a record. Go ahead. Give it to her. 500 days in a cave? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a record. She just uh, she just came out. Uh, she entered the cave in a Granada. Grenada. Tomato. Tomato. And uh, think about it. 500 days. Russia had not invaded Ukraine. Uh, the COVID pandemic was still going on. And it was part of an experiment, which was monitored by, monitored by scientists and her team. Uh, she entered the cave at age 48. Spent the time uh, 70 meters, 230 feet deep uh, in this cave, exercising, drawing, knitting woolly hats. She got through 60 books, 1,000 liters of water. <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead and give it to her. It's a, it's a record. Uh, she was monitored by a group of psychologists and researchers, but they said uh, they made no contact with her. So they have footage of her climbing out of the cave. I don't know if there's any footage of her in the cave. I don't know if her team kept an eye on her uh, with cameras. I can hope so. Uh, that would be, uh, that's going to be a quite a video, uh, quite a movie, actually. <laughs> uh, 500 days in a cave. She said, I've been silent for a year and a half, not talking to anyone but myself. Um, I lose my balance. That's why I'm being held. Uh, you know, she's being held when uh, she's uh, at the press conference. Uh, if you allow me to take a shower, I haven't touched water for a year and a half. Uh, I thought she was, she drank though, right? They said that she, she got a thousand liters of water. She hasn't touched water. She drank, but she didn't, <laughs> she didn't bathe. Ooh, that's a little frightening. And, uh, there was a moment where I had to stop counting days. No kidding. Um, She'd been in the cave for about 160 to 170 days. And then she thought it was enough. One of the toughest moments came when there was an invasion of flies inside the cave. <laughs> She's covered in flies. That does not sound like fun. And uh, she also had auditory hallucinations. You're silent and the brain makes it up. So she used her time in isolation to study the impact of social isolation and extreme temporary disorientation on people's perception of time. So Guinness, give her the record. Okay, it's a record. 500 days living in a cave. I don't know. I'm going to go out on a limo. We talked about the uh, going into the darkness for two to three days. Uh, 500 days in a cave. That makes uh, the darkness retreat of three days. I spit on that three-day darkness retreat. My name is Beatrice Flamini, and I spent 500 days in a cave. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. So I was reading about the uh, dairy farm 
that uh, burned up exploded in Texas last week. It, the footage was incredible. And uh, they say that they believe that it was an accident. You know, we talk a lot about uh, was it though? Was it an accident? Well, <laughs> uh, this appears to have been. But I was looking at the size of the structure of this dairy farm. You know, when I grew up in Michigan and uh, when I was a little kid, we lived on a farm and there was a big dairy farm, you know, on the other side of a field from where we lived. And it was not this. <laughs> it was not South Fork Dairy. I'll tell you that. Uh, it's located, this particular dairy farm is in uh, southeast of Dimmit, Texas, which is up there in the smokestack of Texas. I guess that's still the panhandle but you know it sticks up in between Oklahoma and New Mexico anyway uh, they don't know how many cows actually died yet but they believe it's close to 18,000 and I was looking at some video footage of the structure prior to it exploding and burning up the structure was 2,136,973 square feet and it's a total loss. Wow. <laughs> it is monstrous. Monstrous. So they don't know what happened. They have an idea of what happened. Um, they first reported that uh, it was because of a honey badger machine. And they were all pissed at the, I think it was the deputy sheriff or the sheriff that called it a honey badger machine. <laughs> what an idiot. It's called a honey vac. <laughs> they were all pissed at the sheriff for calling the piece of equipment a honey badger. What an idiot. It's a honey vac, okay, sheriff? Learn your terms of the dairy farms out there, all right? So they're guessing uh, because of the charred roof uh, across the Indian, it was uh, the honey vac and insulation is what would cause such a large fire. Now the honey vac is a manure vacuum that sucks manure from cow lanes and it could have ignited the fire. I just amazing the explosion was big enough to catch any part of the non-fire resistant insulation on fire which would have spread like wildfire, hello, across the entire building. That entire building, 40 acres. Uh, you can quote me on this, that's a pretty big building. <laughs> and then that would, of course, the insulation would be burned and the fuel would be, you know, fire the, the, the that would fuel the fire and the insulation would just continue, which would be, uh, cause the smoke to be black, which it was, we saw in the video, and cause a big mushroom cloud of black smoke. However, uh, they, you know, it's an ongoing investigation. I just found it amazing. I mean, the community is already coming together to help these people. I mean, this is a huge loss for them. It's a huge loss for us as far as our dairy products, I'll tell you that. But I was just impressed, and I'm, you know, sorry that this happened, and I will find out exactly how it happened. Uh, but 18,000 dairy cows uh, and the structure the structure the size of the structure was just amazing to me there's videos out there of the uh, of the structure 2,136,973 square feet total loss wow uh, really sad really sad but it looks as though it is just an accident was it though was it 
That's what they said. Okay. <laughs> oh, and hey, this was not me. I am innocent. Uh, even if you see me using a dime, I didn't take it. Okay. So Philadelphia police are investigating a crime which saw a million dimes worth $100,000 stolen from the back of a truck. So the trailer uh, left in a Walmart parking lot overnight at Philadelphia Mills Mall was broken into using bolt cutters and the dimes, which weighed around 5,000 pounds, were taken off with. (laughs) I don't know if it was an accident. And they realized, hey, we got all these dimes. We might as well take them. Uh, We're just going to break into the trailer and see what's in there. Or if they knew. Uh, Not really sure yet. There was $750,000 worth of dimes in the truck, which were picked up from the U.S. Mint, located in the Old City in Philadelphia, and were supposed to be delivered to Florida. The driver drove northeast of the city where he lives, left the trailer in the car park overnight, Go home to get some rest. He was come back in the morning. Million dollars worth of dimes stolen. And you can see from uh, the pictures, there were dimes <laughs> strewn everywhere. Strewn? Is that a word? Yeah, that is today. Uh, they were strewn everywhere. And, uh, they, you know, you see the officers picking up dimes all over the parking lot. <laughs> uh, it wasn't me. It was not me. But that's a good, I mean, if you, that was by accident, and you just opened up this trailer to see what was in there, and now you've got a hundred thousand dollars worth of dimes. Okay. Now, according to uh, Philadelphia police, uh, thefts in the area are very common. Oh, what crime is common in Philadelphia? Stop it. So apparently, this is a good place for drivers to pick up. Uh, their loads and park their trucks overnight uh, and get on the road in the morning at this particular Walmart. So it could be, uh, you know, just a, a luck of the luck of the draw. The thieves thought, let's see what's in this trailer and got lucky and had all these dimes in it. <laughs> so if you, uh, if you're looking to sell a car and some guy pulls up with $40,000 worth of dimes, I'm pretty sure you know where it came from i mean it'd take a while to get rid of those bad boys and turn them into uh, <laughs> you have to make those trash yeah i'd like to uh, let me order that uh I'll pay you let me pay you in dimes wow that would take a long time hundred thousand dollars in dimes <laughs> i mean and it weighed a lot so i mean there's still a bunch of dimes left right i mean we still got uh you know, five, over $500,000 worth of dimes in this trailer. And they said he's insured and they believe him, right? Uh, they they believe the driver is like he didn't have anything to do with it. So it must have been just uh, luck of the draw for these people to open up the trailer and see the dimes because they talked about, I told you that, you know, it's very common uh, for crime to happen there. And I guess the past few months they've had uh, lamb, chicken, TVs, refrigerators, uh, taken. Uh, okay. So maybe we, uh, we have a little bit better security, first of all, uh, but Walmart's just like, not our problem. Uh, you know, we said you could park here, but, uh, we're not guaranteeing anything. Okay. All right. No problem. <laughs> so anyway, if you see someone, uh, purchasing, uh, goods and services with dimes, they may have had something to do with this crime. I am not that person, but man, that would be something to have a hundred thousand dollars worth of dimes 
And speaking of Walmart, I see where they just announced that uh, they're going to uh, dramatically, is the word in the story, expand its EV charging network. It plans to install chargers at thousands of Walmart and Sam's Club locations throughout the country in the next six years. So Walmart's EV fast charging network will expand to its already operating 1,300 EV charging stations located at 280 facilities nationwide. I have not seen any uh, at any facilities here. Uh, maybe there are some, but I live in DFW and the Walmarts and Sam's Club that I frequent I have not seen charging stations at those particular stores, which is why we talked about it, right? We talked about those are the places that need to have charge. I don't know how those are quick charges. I mean, are you going to stay at a Walmart? Hopefully if there's, you know, most of the Walmarts in our neck of the woods have restaurants around the parking area. And plus you could, I don't know, purchase food inside Walmart. Uh, that's what they do. Um, so you could charge and, you know, take care of uh, your dining habits uh, once when your car is charging, but that's why, uh, Starbucks, uh, you know, is going to have the charging stations out there. And if you're a business, I would put a couple in, that's for sure. Why not? And maybe somebody could pay you in dimes. Wait, it's not coin operated charging station. Oh, it will be though. Maybe that's the next million dollar ID idea. Coin operated EV charging stations. Yes. I'd like to put it, get 50 cents charge, please. All right, you can drive for an eighth of a mile. Thank you. All right, let's go to the break room. <laughs> I need something cold to drink desperately. <sighs> a lot of things going on today and this week. Hey, that's what chewing the fat is for. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at JeffyJFR. Facebook and Instagram is Jeff Fisher Radio. You can always email the show, chewingthefat at theblaze.com. Uh, I get your emails. I read them. I try to I try to read them all. I do respond uh, to some, not all. Sorry. I get your jokes of the days. <laughs> I had your request for what's the lie. Thank you. I appreciate it. We'll get that all worked out, okay? I saw where SpaceX attempted to launch its uh, Starship uh, launch vehicle, this morning uh, over the weekend i had people uh messaging me on twitter saying it looks cloudy well i didn't go off this morning and maybe that's why now they claimed that was not the reason <laughs> they had some excuse uh it was just they did the countdown down to 10 seconds and then they wanted to go through the motions but they did not launch the prototype star hopper uh i was actually watching when they announced because uh, they announced it about I don't know, 40 minutes out from the launch. Oh, yeah, no, we're not going to launch today. Got a few issues. Sorry about it. Not going to happen. We're going to continue the countdown. And I saw people were still posting that uh, that's still on the countdown. Yeah, so what? They were going to stop it at 10 after. So anyway, it's made of stainless steel, uh, which the space industry has you know, really said, eh, it's, uh, it's too heavy. But Elon's like, no, we got it. It's also powered by methane instead of traditional hydrogen. That could allow to it to refuel on Mars, since the planet's atmosphere contains trace amounts of the gas. The Super Heavy Booster uses 33 Raptor engines in uh, to blast into space. And uh, it was just incredible look from up underneath. Uh, amazing, all these engines under there. 
And so uh, then it was supposed to take off and part of it was going to land in the Gulf and then it was going to go up, fly around, and it was going to, uh, you know, come down in the Pacific. Uh, I think in the Pacific, not the Atlantic. And so, um, and that did not happen today. So maybe it was too cloudy. I don't know. I don't know. Safety first, right? Of course. Of course, safety first. Then we have uh, this week, we have Ramadan ending on Friday. Uh, we have Earth Day on Saturday, and Thursday is 420. We'll definitely have to celebrate it. 420. Okay. I know. Okay. I don't know about celebrating 419. That's bicycle day. Everybody can take their own LSD at their own times. Okay. That's up to you. (laughs) Then there was an announcement from Samsung, or at least this was the headline. It said, uh, Samsung may ditch Google as the default search engine on its smartphones in favor of Microsoft's AI powered Bing. This was according to the New York Times. Uh, I don't think, well, first of all, uh, how about no? No, uh, Samsung, don't do that. That's a terrible move. Bing is not what Google is. I'm sorry. Uh, remember, we, every time I go to Bing, I want it to be as good as Google, and it's not. So we'll see. But I see, you know, Google is probably, you know, this might be a, just a negotiating deal to get some more money from Google, and good. I hope they do. I hope you do. Uh, I hope it works out, but to actually do it and implement your Samsung phones uh, without uh, Google, I mean, you know, I I guess, you know, I can download Google myself and put it on my own phone, right? But it's nice to have it already in the system when you get the phone, that's all. And to have to, it probably won't, it's not going to let you delete it from your system. So you'll still have Bing, like I have Bing, for whatever reason, it comes up some of the stories that I open up on my laptop. For, as my, it's a work laptop. Come up through Bing, and it, it drives me insane because unless and just I don't mind. I mean, the stories are fine; they open up in Bing, but I don't know what I can't change it. I know you computer experts are going to say, "Well, just do this." I've tried innumerable amounts of things to get stories that I get sent to my email to open up outside of Bing and they won't. So I just live with it, but Bing is not as good as Google. So sorry about it, Bing, but you're just not as good. And it was just announced that Jalen Hurts, quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, just signed a new deal that makes him the highest paid player in the NFL. Uh, Wow. Good for him. Five years, $255 $255 million contract extension. Wow. Uh, it includes $179 million in guarantees and a no-trade clause. <laughs> so, congratulations to Jalen Hurts. Uh, 179 million guaranteed, uh, 255 million total. Why, how, when? It makes no sense that Lamar Jackson, 
has not signed a new contract yet. How is it possible that the Baltimore Ravens, or any team for that matter, has not signed Lamar Jackson? I mean, he's just sitting there. It's got to be because he doesn't have a manager. It's got to be that. I I don't know what else it could be. I I don't know what else it could be because they even talk about how this deal was done by his agent uh, for Jalen Hurts. They, you know, Lamar, you don't have to have an agent, but it certainly seems to be hindering people that do, uh, that do not have an agent and want to represent themselves. I don't know. I, I don't know any other reason. I don't know why Lamar Jackson could be sitting there twiddling his thumbs without a new contract. <laughs> uh, Lamar Jackson is proven himself to be as good or better than Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts is signing this new deal? Man, I uh, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. But congratulations to Jalen. Uh, you know, the money truck is backing up. And I wish it was backing up here. But congratulations for Jalen Hurts. Look over there. The truck is coming into the neighborhood and it's at his house, not mine. Speaking of the neighborhood, I see where uh, we had a Jack Nicholson sighting in uh, Los Angeles. I know. He hadn't been seen for 18 months. I am in love with Jack Nicholson. Okay. I know. Don't, don't look at me like that. I am. Oh, if you're in love with him, why don't you marry him? I would. If he, if he asked me, I'd marry him. So he came outside to his other side of his house. He has a house there on Mulholland Drive. He bought it back in the 90s. I don't know. He's got like four or five acres. The house is only about... 4,000 square feet, something like that. When you see it from the air, it looks beautiful. He's got the pool. He's got everything. But, you know, it's not a, you know, huge 10,000 square feet mansion or more. It's just a nice 4,000 foot, uh, you know, square foot house. Got everything you need. Why do you need to go anywhere? Jack is in his 80s, 85 to be exact. And he came out on the balcony and everybody's saying he's looking disheveled and he doesn't talk. Well, yeah, he just got up. It's uh, it's a morning in California. Looked like he hadn't shaved in quite some time. I love him. <laughs> I love him. He looks like I feel every day and he's 85. So, I mean, he was out. He was sitting on his patio. He was bouncing his fingers on the, on the patio railing. Apparently, you know, the birds were chirping and he was messing with the birds outside. So good for him. People are worried that he's just going to die alone. Like he lived next door. Brando had a place next to Jack's place up on Mulholland. And, uh, you know, we all know what happened to Marlon. He died alone. And that's what's going to happen to Jack. Okay. Uh, so, uh, he can do what he wants. He's been all over the world. He owns homes all over the world. He owns art. He's worth, uh, he's, uh, I don't know what he's worth. Four or five hundred million dollars. Uh, probably less now because he's eating it all up because he's not working and he's just spending money taking care of himself. And, you know, so what? I love him. Uh, Yes, I do. Jack Nicholson. He looks awesome. He's got his orange shirt on and his baggy sweatpants. And, you know, everybody's out there. No wonder he doesn't go out. Everybody can't even go out on his balcony without getting somebody focusing. TMZ shooting camera shots at Jack's house. (laughs) And I'm guessing he swims in his pool, but I don't know. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he needs to put in a some sign of uh, you know roof over his pool so he can swim without having uh, you know helicopters flying over taking long shots or having the paparazzi taking you know mile long shots into Jack's pool where he swims. So he just stays inside. I got no problem with that. 
And plus, he's at the perfect age, right? He's 85. Man, I should reach out. I would love to talk to him. You know how many stories he has? You know how many stories Jack Nicholson has? And now's the time. He's 85. He has no filter. It doesn't matter to him. Uh, it doesn't matter at all. And he hasn't been seen for 18 months. I mean, he went to the basketball game with his son 18 months ago. And remember, we saw the pictures of him sitting there eating fries or whatever. He's got the mask on his face. It's agonizing. I, I hated to see Jack. He should, Jack Nicholson should not have been wearing a mask. Although he was forced to because they wouldn't let him into the game. Anyway, so I mean, I would now would, lo- now would be a great time to talk to Jack Nicholson. Because he's got so many stories and so many people to talk about. And he's 85. So what are they going to do to him? He can tell it all. It'd be awesome. Jack. Jack, 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 Jack. I know you're just sitting there in the house uh, watching a little TV. uh, Just hanging out. Smoking every now and then out by the poolside before the sun comes up. Before your son comes over to holler at you. And uh, bringing your fresh meds and, uh, you know, some food. So just, you know what? Email me, chewingthefat at theblaze.com. Or you can, you know, direct message me. I'm sure you've got a secret Twitter or Facebook account. So just direct message me, uh, Jeff Fisher Radio or at JeffyJFR on Twitter. Okay? And then uh, you and I can sit down and have a little conversation. I promise, just be you and me. Just you and me. I promise. Okay, so I've had this story in the fat pile for a while, and uh, we're finally going to get to it. And I, 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 I love the headline. The headline is that a snake on a plane, a cobra in an airplane cockpit, prompts emergency landing. Okay, so that's why I've had it in my fat pile for a while. You got me. A snake on a plane, cobra in an airplane cockpit. You got me. I'm, I'm reading that story. You and I are going to talk about it. So South African authorities are applauding this pilot's courage for safely landing an aircraft after feeling a venomous stowaway cobra slithering on his body mid-flight. That's CNN reporting. Uh, Pilot Rudolf Erasmus said he was piloting a small aircraft on Monday with four colleagues aboard when he felt a cold sensation under his shirt by his hip area. At first, I thought it was a bottle leak. I looked down, turned to my left, and I saw a head of the snake receding back underneath my seat. I had a moment of stunned silence. Uh, Yeah, one would. And uh, (laughs) uh, my brain didn't register what was going on. And then uh, I thought, well, hey, uh, I got some. Do I tell the people in the back and uh, create uh, worry? What do I do? I think we should just, uh, you know, Maybe land this thing. So in the end, he told the passengers, "Hey, um, yes, there's a. We're gonna get us. We're gonna land as quickly as possible." Told the air traffic controllers, "I got a bit of a situation." They landed the plane nearby. All five people uh, emerged unscathed. All right. Now, all right. So this story says, and the snake was found under the pilot's seat. Was it though? It was a large Cape Cobra, according to the South African Civil Aviation Authority, which congratulated Erasmus for displaying impeccable bravery after landing his aircraft incident-free. Uh, okay, so then I, I'm concerned over this because they say that's the kind of snake it was. 
Well, they claim that before he left, he said they people were telling him, hey, there was a cobra slithering around your airplane. We don't know what happened to it. <laughs> oh, ah, don't worry about it then. Ah, we looked around. Ah, it wasn't there. We didn't see it, so we're fine. Oh, okay, well, you know, apparently they should have looked harder. However, the rest of the story, it talks about local snake catchers were called to the plane after landing, and the snake had disappeared. He and some engineers spent the next two days pulling the aircraft apart, searching for the snake. They took out the seats, the carpets, the panels, basically everything in the aircraft that they could strip at the point. He said, but once again, no success. So which is it? Did they find the freaking thing or did they not? I would say they said they did to make everyone feel better. But then in the end, they didn't. They never did find the snake. The cobra is like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out of here. Uh, they landed and uh, they're tearing this thing apart. I'm out. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. No problem. So he was flying uh, from South Africa from the Western Cape of South Africa to Nels Pruitt. And then, you know, he landed, obviously he had the emergency landed. We're getting down. We're going to get this thing on the ground and we're going to find out what the heck is going on. And they all end up saying that the snake was never found. The CNN story says, oh yeah, they found the snake. But then at the end, it talks about how he took the plane apart and the snake was never found. He was never located. So I have a feeling that the old cobra was never found. Now, I, I, I have a question to ask. All right. So was the cobra ever real? Was it ever real? Or did he just, you know, was he celebrating uh, 419 early and decided he didn't want to fly all the way with these people on board? So he came up with this story about, hey, there's a cobra underneath my seat. I mean, how many times have you heard that in your life? Whenever you don't want to do something, oh man, I want to, I want to, but there's a cobra underneath my seat. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I'm questioning whether this is actually true or not. I, I'm going out on a, on a, on a snake limb here, but I think that the whole thing is a ruse and there was never any snake on this plane. Eh, just me. All right, let's go back over here to America, to Newark, New Jersey. And uh, I mean, who doesn't love Newark, New Jersey? And who doesn't love the Newark airport? Man, it is beautiful this time of year. So uh, the airport baggage claim terminal was evacuated yesterday. Why was it evacuated? Due to a vibrating bag. <laughs> I know we have to be safe. I got it. I know we have to be, we have to take everyone's safety is a priority at an airport and they evacuated everybody across the street to a parking garage while the bomb squad investigated the incident okay and it was all because of a vibrating bag i know what you're thinking i was thinking the same thing and so now uh then they sent the bomb squad in and it was fine so everybody can go back in it's all safe Go ahead. <laughs> I would be so angry if I was at the airport and had to be evacuated across the street to a parking garage and wait. Couldn't get my luggage. Couldn't go anywhere. Uh, couldn't do anything because of a vibrating suitcase. If it's just vibrating, don't you think that it's probably not going to explode? I mean, if it was... And then it would explode, right? Or it would just explode. 
But I find it difficult to believe that some lady's vibrator who got, uh, or guy, they, whoa, sorry, uh, some, he, her, they, them, what, well, I'm sorry, I don't mean to, I'm not judging, uh, someone's, uh, some person's vibrator is vibrating in their luggage and we're going to evacuate the entire airport. Wow. Uh, okay. All right. No problem. I know. I know it's all for everyone's safety. I get it. But then you have to go back through security to come back in to get your luggage. I got to re-screen everyone. And now it's not uh, a, something. It was a vibration going on. It was just suspicious baggage. Oh, okay. So it wasn't just vibrating. <laughs> it was uh, apparently unattended baggage which prompt the evacuation. Oh, okay. So it was just a bag there that was vibrating and somebody just didn't walk up and look inside it. Okay. All right. Let's evacuate everyone. Call in the bomb squad and get out of here for everyone's safety. Don't someone just walk up and see, Hey, I wonder what's vibrating in this suitcase. No, you can't do that. That is unacceptable, but evacuating everyone. And having to rescreen them and sending them back through. Once you send in the robotic bomb squad, then that's okay. All right. All right. Fine, fine, fine. So who or what died today? Who or what died today? Actually, yesterday. Uh, the Phantom of the Opera, Andrew Lloyd Webber's mega hit musical is closing on Broadway after 35 years. More than 35 years, actually. <laughs> uh, gone goodbye last night. If you're listening live, today is the 17th of April, 2023. So the 16th of April, 2023, Phantom of the Opera take, took the final Broadway bow after 13,981 performances. <laughs> Uh, it's amazing. Okay, so it opened on Broadway in January of 1988. I mean, it played almost 14,000 performances. Incredible. Uh, audiences is over 20 million, grossing over $1.3 billion. An estimated 6,500 people have been employed by the production, including over 400 actor actors, uh, orchestra, crew, It'll amazing. Uh, people have worked on this show for 25 or 30 years. Amazing, right? I mean, just uh, it's an incredible time. So uh, very sad, 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 sad that uh, Phantom of the Opera, we lost it. It's over. I don't know why. I'm not quite sure I understand why. Hey, it's going good. Let's pull the plug. It's only been playing for 30 years. <laughs> We've only had it running for 13,981 performances. I get it. Sometimes the show has run its course and we've had enough, but why not just let it go? I, I, I'm confused at why we just have to kill it. It's over. <laughs> uh, okay, but uh, they did and uh, they have decided and they have. So take care. Have a nice day. 
Oh, and you people that uh, haven't been around for 30 years, that uh, have only been here for uh, maybe a couple years, maybe five, maybe 10, maybe 15 years, you thought this was going to go on forever? No. Uh, you're now out of work. Go find a new gig. So we talked, uh, I don't know, last week or the week before about uh, Rutgers University uh, going on strike, the teachers, and uh, they were going on strike, and there was three different unions that were going on strike, and 67,000 students can expect to return to classes now, although I thought they were still able to go to classes. Uh, the Dinkleberry governor of New Jersey stepped in. He tried to get everybody to the negotiating table. I wanted to make everything fair and equitable. We don't want anything that's not fair and equitable for everybody. The three striking unions are, you know, we're all, we want it to be fair and equitable. So apparently they found something that's fair and equitable. And uh, we have a tentative agreement that they're going to go back to work. Good for them. They're going to uh, increase salaries across the board for full-time faculty and counselors by at least 14% by July of 2025. Is that fair and equitable enough? They're going to provide 43.8% increase in the per credit salary rate for part-time lecturers over the four years of the contract while strengthening their job security. Is that fair and equitable enough? I guess so. Increase the minimum salary for postdoctoral fellows and associates by 27.9% over the same period for the contract. Oh, okay. Now, I guess that's fair and equitable enough. And according to this, they're going to provide substantial enhancements. Man, that is always fair and equitable when people are going to provide substantial enhancements in wages plus a commitment to multi-year university support for teaching assistants and graduate assistants, the graduate students, in addition to receiving health care coverage and free tuition and fees, will see their 10th month salaries increase to $40,000 over the course of the contract. <laughs> I guess that's fair and equitable. You got to have that. <laughs> uh, we don't know how it's going to work. Uh, we're in the process of making that happen. So the governor has uh, said, uh, well, we, we don't know how it's all going to work, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> so all you unions, get back to work. Your AAUPAFT and your PTLFCAAUPAFT and your AAUBHSNJ. <laughs> uh, get back to work. I know that, uh, okay, so the AAUP. AFT represents full-time faculty, graduate workers, postdoctoral associates, and educational opportunity fund counselors. Then we have the PTLFC, AAUP, AFT, which represents part-time lecturers. And then we have the AAUP, BHSNJ, which represents workers at Rutgers Health Sciences schools. So these unions apparently have been working without a new contract for several months. You bastards. And we still have some open issues to be resolved. But we want to make sure, and what we've read and agreed to tentatively so far, that it's all going to be fair and equitable. Now, I've got an idea for you if you want to get a fence built around your property for free. Okay? All right. So I saw this uh, on uh, one, of, one of my feeds this weekend, and I thought, that is a genius idea. So I want to leave this idea with you 
today, okay? And it's not a joke of the day. It's actually a thing for you to receive a fence around your property for free. Did you know that if you garden in your backyard naked, your neighbors will build you a privacy fence at absolutely no cost to you? Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.